Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. It's that time of year again. You and your students have the opportunity to enter the International Online Dance Competition. Registration starts May 10th and you can visit iodc.online for more information. Today on the podcast, I am talking with Drew Burgess about the importance of cross-training for acro dancers. Let's listen as Drew shares his invaluable insights. Drew Burgess, hello and welcome back to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Hi, Loren. I'm super excited to be back. Thank you so much for having me again. We are so lucky to have you back on the show. A couple of months ago, you and I had a discussion on aerials. That was episode 56 for anyone that would like to go back and listen. That episode was an absolute hit with our audience. We received so many wonderful comments. And of course, the listeners wanted more of Drew and his Drew-isms. Oh, I'm so grateful and honored to be back. Thank you all for having me. So here you are back with us today. And we are going to talk about cross-training and why you think it is important for acro students. Yes, I'm really passionate about cross-training. I feel that, uh, especially in today's culture of the more competitive dance scene, many times dancers ask me after class or before class or, you know, even during, they're always asking about, I want to get my aerial, I want to get my back handspring, I need this, 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 and this to, in order to feel like I'm doing more. and. Although, you know, it's fun to, yes, see and accomplish those skills and have that nice skill acquisition, oftentimes they very rarely want to hear that they don't necessarily need to acquire more skills. They need to perfect what they already have and keep cross-training, i.e. more ballet class. <laughs> they never <laughs> want to hear you need more ballet, actually, because your legs still aren't quite as stretched as they could possibly be in all of your balancing skills. or you know, your your limbering skills just need a little bit more love and you got to cook those shoulders and those ribs a little bit longer in order to get that back opened up to get those nice tight front limbers and, you know, Arabian limber walkovers and all those fun, like, you know, beautiful things that need to happen in acro dance as well. It's very, very rare. And I mean, yes, I, I'm all about, uh, you know, my kids having lots of acro classes and coming coming to class as much as possible. This is a good thing. But I feel that cross-training is so crucial to the benefit and success of the the dancer as a whole. A more well-rounded dancer is going to feel more accomplished. They're going to look more confident on stage. They're going to have more experiences to pull from uh, as far as performance opportunities go as well. And there's just more options. And I feel like it's only going to increase their dance ability, if you will. I agree. We deal in the business of acro dance. That is what our syllabus is based on. And it really does only work with dance training. Typically in a studio, you could probably explain to the parents and the students that they need to take their ballet, jazz, maybe lyrical, contemporary, modern, 
what other genres would you recommend and why? So I know this sounds probably a little bit wild, but musical theater, tap, hip hop, those genres of dance, they do offer a, a lot more to the acro dancer than one would imagine. In hip hop, they get to show off a lot of like tricks and or like even somewhat of a break dancing moment as well. So there's a lot of times where freezes and stalls are incorporated and it's nice for those acro students to be able to show off that they can balance on their hands, even in like a really cool, you know, funky position. Musical theater and tap, especially for musicality and just that performance factor, right? Like knowing how to perform and act and use your eyebrows and your face. Like there are certain things that you uh, can't necessarily always replicate in an entire acro dance class. Like where, you know, if we had, you know, three and four hour acro classes, we could really, you know, do something amazing. But we really only have our dancers for about one hour at a time give or take right and mm -hmm. for, for acro dance and sometimes that's a little bit more sometimes it's a little bit less or a lot of bit less like we have a lot to accomplish in those classes so it's really crucial and almost vital for today's acro dancer if they want to be extremely successful and they want to have that competitive edge they really have to supplement with fantastic classes in all genres i think we sort of touched on that when we were talking about aerials that the amount of hours sort of doesn't change for a particular skill set or skill. The hours have to come from somewhere. And as you said, we only have so much time with our acro students. So we do really rely or we should rely on these other classes to help implement and excel in these areas. Yeah, I mean, anything is better than nothing. I love even referring my dancers to go and try yoga and hot yoga and, of course, Pilates. Like, oh my gosh, what a, what a nice supplement Pilates is. Um, and then, of course, like you have those, you know, ultra go-getters who want to try a little bit of everything. We, of course, have baton arts. You know, you can encourage them to try sports acro classes, rhythmic gymnastics, actual artistic gymnastics synchronized swimming i mean there the list can go on and on uh diving figure skating ice dancing there's so many lovely sports that have such a beautiful marriage and blend with a well-rounded you know acro dancer and athlete so it doesn't necessarily have to even stay within the studio if you do have clients who want their you know dancers to really experience and, and their students and children to experience all walks of life and really get to try it all um, it's sort of one of those, like, you have a bit of a trade-off, right? Like, you might be the jack of all trades, but the master of none. So mm -hmm. I really do try to encourage dancers, once they're about age 12, to really, like, decide, like, what sort of track and what their expectations are and what their commitment levels are with that as well. And what their expectations for those commitment levels might be. Because they might not quite align, you know, and you have to give them a reality check every now and then. How receptive are your students when you tell them that they need to take more classes? Uh, you know what? For the most part, the, the students already know. It's sometimes getting the parents on board with it. It sometimes can become a bit of a financial issue. However, most of the dancers that I tend to work with are already on a quote unquote unlimited class plan where they're already at the studio four five six days a week and it's that you know that certain price point it just requires a certain amount of you know they're on they're on the competitive line they're in the company whatever it might be 
they are allowed to take those classes and most of the time they're able to take them at a very discounted rate if not already for free so it's just getting them to want to get that energy going and keep up that stamina and actually you know keep staying in the studio a little longer so maybe their classes or their day is going to end or start 30 or 45 minutes later this can also be you know become one of those uh you know issues with you know, getting transport to the to and from the studio and ride schedules synced up as well. But for the most part, my kids always know that the answer is usually more class time and usually more ballet is actually going to help more than anything if they want to see quick results. Even though ballet moves slow, the progress that they show in ballet class each week actually does really have a major effect on you know an acro dancer ballet and good ballet and good jazz they make a huge difference what do you notice with the students who do a lot of cross training and the ones that maybe don't do as much I just notice quicker progress personally, like they progress much more quickly, especially through any type of syllabus training that you're trying to take your dancers through. The progress is very, very quick because they have learned to adapt to so many different styles and have just had that exposure. So, um, you know, especially if, you know, these these trinas, these jazz arenas, if you will, if they have some good acro dance training under their belts as well, all of a the sudden they have just more confidence. They like they have a, a, a way of attacking the floor and really, you know, carving out that space where maybe someone who didn't have that and especially like conquering floor work where, you know, as you go closer and closer to the floor, we actually pull up even more, which is why ballet is so crucial because in Grand Plie, you know, as you're like, as your center of gravity is, you know, going towards the floor, we're constantly resisting that and trying to pull away from the ground. So that happens even more in floor work and acro dancers get that great exposure to that when they're, you know, uh, in a bridge and whatnot. So it's crucial even for our ballet dancers to cross train with acro dance as well. It's a beautiful blend and a beautiful marriage. That is a fantastic point because I was coming at it from what classes could your acro dancers take to help make them better. But on the flip side of that, ballet, jazz, all the dancers could take acro as part of their cross training. So yeah, and like and the hip hop kids they should be taking the, like an acro class as well. <laughs> like it's only going to, and then if they're getting into that acro class, it's easy to get them into a jazz class. So you might have to kind of like get the, get these kids involved in a, a bit more of a quote unquote backwards way, because I think everybody has that like pre, like that preconceived notion that you're supposed to start with ballet. Well, ballet is kind of boring for some kids as their first exposure to dance. Let's be real, especially if you have kids who are, you know, like coming from that, uh, that sports background, whether they play soccer or lacrosse or hockey or, you know, whatever it might be where they've had a much more physical experience in sports. Um, you would be, it's nice to get them into an acro class before you're exposing them to maybe say ballet or jazz even. So that way it's not as, um, you know, like it's not as slow moving and slow paced and, and quote unquote boring, you know, with, with the, the classical music and whatnot. You have to like sort of cater to the audience in a backwards way sometimes. That reverse psychology can really work. <laughs> yeah. And Drew, I think part 
of what can get everyone on board is that when the students do start taking these extra classes, they do improve. As you said, you see the progress quicker and that can inspire other dancers to start taking the classes as well. So that's always great. To wrap up this topic, what would you say to maybe a studio owner or teacher who would like to maybe get their dancers on board with this? I would just like to say, keep fighting the good fight, my friends, <laughs> um, because sometimes slow and steady really does win the race. You may not win everybody, like you know, getting like, jumping on board. Your acro classes might not take off like wildfire, or like your dancers may not want to transition from acro class to jazz and ballet as fast as you'd like. But keep encouraging it, and even if you can expose them in your actual own acro classes to those small like you know dance steps that they might need and start to know and learn i especially think it's really important to incorporate music in your acro dance classes as well um we talk about that a lot in uh, our you know module one and mod of course module two courses which we're having a whole bunch of this summer um miss loren should we chat about our summer tour just really quick if our listeners would like to hear Yes, our listeners always like to hear and they should be prepared. We are so excited at Acrobatic Arts that the training tour is coming back this summer. And because you are part of the U.S. division, Drew, can you give us a sneak peek into what's in store for our teachers in the U.S. this summer? I'm super excited. I will be tuning in online a lot this summer for several courses. I'll be at a few in person as well. I am super excited to always kick off our summer tour. We are going all over the country. It's always an exciting journey and a big adventure, especially when we really get back into the studios with our teachers and our dancers in the summers. I love it so much. My cities are still a little bit unconfirmed, meaning like we're not sure if it's going to transpose from online to versus in person because we want to make sure that we're doing the most for our audience and viewers. But I'm definitely going to be online for at least three different module ones this summer. I'm super, super stoked because those sessions fly by on Zoom. I love always getting to chat for about six hours a day with our, our acro dance teachers that are getting certified and they always say that it fly it completely flies by and they wish it was longer and sometimes i do too it just literally zooms by <laughs> figuratively and literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> um those courses are from june to august and module one can be done online or in person but our module two and aerial back handspring workshops and courses are done only in person i think we have some in new york Dallas, Milford. Yeah, that's New Hampshire. DanceWorks Movement Design, our host studio out there, will be seeing Miss Tanya Bossi. Awesome. Now that sounds incredible. Why do you think teachers should invest in their professional development with acrobatic arts this summer? In my opinion, that client that we have really from age three to age 18, uh, they all need and deserve to at, at least learn up to a front and back walkover by the time their training is done with us. I feel like that's the the least we can do. And at least uh, we're, you know, we're they don't necessarily have to be the most amazing tumblers or the most amazing hand balancers, but they should at least be able to do a front and back walkover and, you know, maybe even start to assist or teach or demonstrate with those th those things and, and 
help in other classes that are younger than them. So they have that teaching experience. So it's not only just about teaching teachers, but it's about teaching the next uh, or teaching dancers, but it's actually about teaching the next generation of teachers. So I feel that it's super crucial for teachers to invest in the education and arts uh, just in general and in their own professional development, of course. But Acro Arts has such a, uh, a vast array of of so many uh, progressional elements and skills that are really crucial to physical literacy with dancers um, and students worldwide, not just, uh, it, it's, it's so much more than just teaching a cartwheel, right? Like this is body mechanics. They're learning about anatomy. They're learning about, you know, different stretches they need to do throughout their entire life. So it's really more than just dance training. It's actually like uh, kind of going a step above and beyond, especially as we get towards those higher level skills that our dancers know and want. Um, those that aerial back handspring workshop and module two courses, we want to make sure that our dancers are able to progress and progress at a safe rate and pace. And we want to be able to keep up with them. So we want to make sure that we're you know having the most safe experience and, and offering the best knowledge and the best training possible to further our own education and experience. And sometimes it's just nice to know, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm doing this the right way. And that's a that's a, a blessing to know as well, where you're like, okay, I'm I'm doing it all the right way, but oops, I missed this, this, and this, where I can fill that gap in with my dancers a lot more which I find is so exciting. Even if I only take one thing away from a course that I, you know, either certify in or, you know, experience as a as an actual attendee, that to me is worth its weight in gold. Because if I can help one dancer with one thing, that for me it paid for itself. It was worth it, you know. And but that's just my opinion. I do have to admit, we tend to give many, many, many things and many options, and we give way more than just one thing for, you know, our uh, our dancers and our teachers that attend our courses. You sort of touched on it with the aerial back handspring and the module two. If a teacher is already module one certified, can you give them some advice on when to know they are ready for module two? Well, I would say when your students have truly mastered everything that is up through level six, and they're very consistent with it as well. I mean, usually it takes a while to start an acro program from scratch. You might have like a kind of like a hodgepodge mix of kids where they might have some skills from gymnastics, but you may see that it's only on one side. I usually give it at least a year, if not more, to just make sure that you're honing in on all of those skills and that your most advanced kids, quote unquote, are doing everything safely, really consistently, and they're able to execute it on both sides 10 out of 10 times. I would say that when you really see super strong back Arabian limber, back walkovers that have nice square hips and super straight legs, um, when you're seeing really good donkey kicks, uh, you, a really, really good round offs, and you know when it's a good round off because it sounds good too, right? Like those things are very crucial to making sure that your dancer is safe enough for back handsprings and side aerials. But I would definitely, you know, recommend that when they when they notice that their dancers are excelling on both sides and they feel very confident in those levels up to six, 
I would say that they are start. They're going to be very close to being ready or ready to experience that side aerial back handspring workshop and mod two. You just want to make sure that they are, you know, that, that their confidence isn't going to be defeated or depleted in any way if they are not quite able to do those skills yet. Oftentimes when they are close, by, by being around a whole bunch of dancers who do already have those skills, this osmosis effect can kick in where it, it becomes a good thing. Like they have that confidence to do it. Then other times, if they're not quite as confident and they're not, you know, not quite there yet, they might like have that little bit of anxiety moment where they might be the, feel like they're the only one that can't do it. So you want to make sure that they are a bit more mature and able to really verbalize and communicate with their teacher. And teachers, if you don't know this already, but module two requires you to bring a student to the course. And I think that's what Drew's referring to. And they really yes. do. Yeah, they really do improve with you in the course. It, so it's wonderful for both the teacher and the student, your student. Absolutely. And same with mod one. It's like magic seeing uh, teachers work with us as course conductors and with their demonstrators and students in their mod one online. I mean, it is like like so many light bulbs go off too, because a lot of these kids do want to know the why. So they get a little bit of an insight and a, like a, a peek into our world for about three hours a day for those courses. It's a wonderful thing to see the students' faces light up when they finally get that, you know, bridge tondu kickover moment, or, you know, they, they, they get that head alignment going really well for a nice solid straight handstand versus a curved handstand. All of those fun things start to happen and start to click. And it's a, it's a cool thing to see the camaraderie and the spirit of, you know, that, that teacher-student relationship come alive right in front of our eyes on Zoom. And I couldn't agree with you more that it's wonderful and especially all over the world. Drew, I appreciate everything you bring to the table. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming back on the podcast today. I am so, so grateful for the experience to be asked back and getting to chat about cross training with you today. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's a true pleasure and honor. I love that Drew not only emphasized the significance of cross-training, but also provided various options that will help your dancers significantly improve their skills. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.